Good morning, church. My name is Warren Williams. I'm one of the pastors here and glad to be with you guys here this morning on Mother's Day. Can we just, just give the mothers another round of applause this morning? Happy Mother's Day. And I said this during the 9 a.m., but I don't know if my mom could be possibly watching now. Mom, the gift is on the way. It's the Amazon got it confused. It's coming, I promise. Um, so yeah, man, today, as we're on Mother's Day, as we are celebrating a day of devotion, right? It's fitting that in our passage today that we're looking at Mary, right? We're a woman of great devotion. And I know on Mother's Day, we could just be grateful for the devotion that our mother showed us in raising us and loving us. But I know that's not the story for everyone. But there was a time recently where we actually shared a singularity of devotion as a society. And during this time, maybe if you were like myself, you went to, a diff- you went to different cities. You traveled far and wide to obtain this prized possession. Right, you spent money. You sacrificed time, comfort. You sacrificed a lot to obtain this thing, this thing that we were all in a singular mission heading towards. Does anybody have any guesses of a recent time where we had, where we shared a singularity of devotion around something? Toilet paper. Toilet paper, yeah. Man, you guys, 9 a.m. and you guys, like kindred hearts, man, they had the same response. Uh, uh, it wasn't toilet paper. I know it's hard for us to think because, you know, you can think of all the ways we're divided, et cetera, et cetera. But it wasn't 9-11. It wasn't World War II or World War I. It was actually a time more recent than that. You guys didn't guess it, so I'll give you the date. The day was August 12th, 2019. It was the day when this came out. <laughs> Amen. Amen. The Popeye's chicken sandwich. Right? The chicken sandwich that put all other previous chicken sandwiches to shame. Hey, right. Uh, and, you know, before this, I think we thought we were going to be eating Chick-fil-A in heaven, right? Like Chick-fil-A's place was solidified in heaven until this came out, right? This extravagant, beautiful sandwich. And I see some of y'all were on that mission like me going, going to get it, right? This beautiful, extravagant sandwich that was, that's, that's this beautiful chicken cutlet topped with spicy Cajun sauce nestled on a brioche bun, right? It just brought peace where there previously was division, how we lost our minds for this sandwich. Right, if we weren't, most of us just lazy millennials, we could probably just save our times, the, the, the time and the money and, the, comfort and the, the effort and just make it at home. But no, we had to go get it. Right, and it's not just with the sandwich. Even when it comes to like our sports team or our favorite shows or favorite movies or sorts, right, we, sh- we, we are willing to sacrifice to obtain it, right? To watch it, to whatever, to engage in it. And what we're gonna see in our passage today, is that Mary, Mary is also a woman of great devotion, right? But Mary, she's not showing her devotion to a breaded piece of meat like us, right? Mary shows her devotion to the bread of life himself. And so my prayer this morning is that as we reflect and we hear about Mary's story and her, look at her act of worship, that we too would be stirred, right? To stirred in worship, to see Jesus for the treasure that he is, right? To treasure him above all else in, the, in, in our world where so many things are grabbing at our attention that we would actually see Jesus and just be moved to worship him in spirit and in truth today, amen? Before we do that, would you pray with me?
Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you um, that we just get to gather together as your people, to sing together, hear from your word, Lord, and just uh, to worship you above all else. God, move our hearts today. Move our hearts towards a greater just uh, posture of worship, of adoration of you, Lord, for the ways that you are faithful, for the ways that you've changed us and transformed our lives, Lord, as we heard in Zach's faith story. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Open our minds and our hearts to receive what you would have us to receive today. In your name, amen. All right, would you pick up with me in chapter 12, verses one through three? It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. All right, so what we see there, right, is Mary, she pours out the best of what she has. She pours out this valuable ointment on on the feet of Jesus. She sacrifices in this beautiful, amazing way because Jesus is worth it. I want you to turn to your neighbor today and say, he's worth it. All right, some of you guys did it. That's good. Thank you. (laughs) Let's set the scene. So Jesus, uh, he's at the beginning of the Passion Week. This is the week where Jesus was going to the cross. And he starts his week by going to visit his old friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jim introduced us to them a couple of weeks ago. And they live in this city of Bethany, this interesting town, this, this town that Jesus visits 11 times throughout the Gospels, right? And the town of Bethany, the name, it actually means the house of misery, the house of poor. This is where the outcasts of Jerusalem, the people who were not able to go to the temple, to go to Jerusalem because they would be deemed unclean, they lived in a town like this, right? And it was believed that there was a house there that actually cared for the outcasts um, of, uh, of Jerusalem, of the city. And so they, Jesus, you know, as he's going to the, the, the cross, as he's about to ascend to the highest of highest positions, he starts with the lowest of the lows. As he is preparing himself for death, he goes to the realm of the dead to start his week. And, you know, he goes there they're, and, he, and he arrives and they're throwing him a dinner. We could assume that they're probably throwing him a dinner to celebrate um, the fact that he raised Lazarus from the dead. Like, you know, when somebody does something great for us, we want to celebrate them. And so they're throwing him a dinner and Martha, she's diligently serving, right? Lazarus is just chilling. He's just kind of reclining at the table, happy to be living his best second life. (laughs) But our attention is drawn to Mary. Mary goes and performs this extreme act of just beautiful worship, right? She, she, she unties her hair, right? So an act that in that time, that would be deemed like a promiscuous act, an uncouth act in their culture. A woman was only supposed to untie her hair in front of her husband. She just skews any sort of decorum. And then she breaks this bottle this ointment of pure nard. I didn't even know what that was. I thought that sounds like one of like Zach's rocks band or something, like one of his bands that he manages, pure nard, right? <laughs> right? And she anoints the feet of Jesus. She takes the most valuable possession that's in her household, maybe one of the most valuable things that's in that city, and she pours it on the feet of Jesus. All right, so if you think about the characters in the room, right, and Martha, 
We see that posture towards service. Right? Some of us are wired towards that way and just wanted to serve. Right? In Lazarus, we see that posture of just fellowship. He just wants to hang out with Jesus, right? Just be near him. But in Mary, Mary's act stands out. Mary gives us this picture of devotion, this picture of deep worship. And as much as God loves our service and he loves our fellowship, right, he wants us to treasure him, to see him, to worship him, for us to pour out our devotion to him. Right? And Mary does uh, her worship in a sacrificial way. Right? She said this, this was probably her inheritance. This is probably the most valuable thing that was in her, her closet. Right? But she said, whatever the inheritance, whatever this is worth, it in no way compares to the inheritance, the riches that are in my God who is standing right here. Right? So she pours out, she worships in this sacrificial way because he's worth it. You know, I've been, during my time here at Redemption, there have been so many moments where I've just been a part of our congregation and just been moved by the way that you guys have just loved um, generously. And I think it's because you look at Jesus, you see the way he's given of himself and we try to do the same. And been many moments where I've experienced that. Um, but one of the times recently where I just felt like we, we, we came together and, and I was just really proud to be a part of this congregation and the way we responded and, and this happened um, was the second time that we regathered. And if you were there, I probably don't even need to tell you anymore. You remember it, right? This was the time when normally we were meeting on the field out there, but some kids decided they wanted to do some crop circles out there. And so we couldn't meet on the field and we had to meet in the parking lot in front of the sanctuary. And it would be one thing if we were meeting there in January, but this was like August, right? And no one, none of us have to be told about the Arizona heat, right? Now imagine that heat on the pavement. It was probably like 150 degrees out there. I don't think that's possible, but it felt like it, right? And I just remember looking around during that time and I saw the volunteers, right? They were serving I saw them handing out the communion cups and some of them got sticky and uh, it was a whole deal, right? And I, 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 I heard Jake preaching, right? And Jake was kind of having like a call and response with himself because the way that the, the sound is in the, in the parking lot, as he was preaching, his voice is like bouncing back towards him. Right? And, I just, and I heard you guys singing and worshiping the best and connecting just the best way that you could. So why would you leave? I guess the question is, why would you leave just the comforts of your air-conditioned home, right? The comforts of maybe just watching online for that. Like, why would you want to be there in in those circumstances? I believe it's because we looked at Jesus and we said, it's worth it. It's worth the sweat that's pouring down our face, right? It's worth just the awkward sort of connection that we're trying to make. It's, It's all worth it because he's worth it. If you were there, why were you there? I believe it's because at some level, you said he's worth it. And Jesus is indeed worth it. My hope is that as we've been working our way through the gospel of John, that we've just come to see the beauty of who Jesus is. Right, I've been reading um, this book about Christian martyrs, right, our forerunners in the faith. I've just been so moved by the way that they proclaim that Jesus was worth it in the face of death, in the face of being burnt at the stake, in the face of animals that were ready to tear them from limb to limb. Right? A lot of our forerunners in the faith, they were given the opportunity to recant their faith. 
But they said, no, 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 no. Right, this God that we're worshiping, whatever you do, it doesn't compare to the riches of glory in him. So do what you must. If you need, if you want to call out the, the lion to rip me from limb to limb, let it do what it, do what it must. Let it do, what it do what it has to do. Because you know what? Nothing can rip me from the security and assurance that I have in the Father. Nothing can assure me, rip me from the, the security and assurance that I have that Jesus is here. He's with me and I'm going to him even if this lion tears me from limb to limb. But I've just been so moved by some of those stories. And even today, right, that's not the situation for us today, but just from talking to you guys, I've heard how, you know, just over this past year, you've had to break some of the routines that maybe you've gotten into on Sunday mornings, right? Maybe on Sunday mornings, after, you know, with everything that has gone on, maybe you got into a routine of just like hiking, right? Maybe you got in a routine of going to Lolo's Chicken and Waffles and eating some waffles, Right? Maybe you've gotten in some routine, but you said, no, 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 I have to break this comfortable thing. I have to be together with my, my brothers and sisters here because it's, something happens when we are gathered together and the spirit is moving. Right? And we, you had to break those comfortable routines because you said Jesus is far worth more than my comfort. And if you find yourself today, if you're drifting towards that comfort, I just want to encourage you that Jesus is worth more, far more than our comfort, right? We want to turn from just seeking comfort to extravagant worship of him as we see Mary doing our passage today. I mean, after all, this is the God. This is the God we're talking about. This is the God who in John, in, in the first part of his book, in the first chapter, he says that this God, he, he could have stayed far away from his creation, but he put on flesh to dwell with his people. Right on, on Mother's Day when, you know, for some of us, there may be some pain. We may have even experienced the, the pain of abandonment when it comes to our families. Right? This is the God who came not just to dwell, but to welcome us into his family. Right? His family that's secure. His family that nothing could separate us from the love of him and his father. He's worth it. Right? And as we heard in our faith story today, this is the God. Right, where the, the, the powers of darkness, where the enemy tries to, to, to place chains and bondage over our life. Right, he is the God that speaks freedom. He is the God that takes us from that place of darkness and brings us into the light of life. So that we can live life, not just an afterlife far away, but even now we can live life more abundantly because of him. This is the God we're talking about. He is absolutely worth it. And so Mary's beautiful worship, it's lavished on this God who was on a mission, not just to restore the brokenness of Bethany, but to restore the, the brokenness wherever the curse of sin is found. Right. And I wish the story could just end there. I wish that was it. And everyone was like, Mary, that's great. But that's not the case. That's not how this, that's not how this went down. Right, there are actually critics in the room. There were actually people who said, Mary, why are you wasting your worship on Jesus? As wild as that sounds. Right, they, 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 they had some negative opinions about Mary. They were skeptical of Mary's worship. They actually thought her worship was a waste. 
And as we dive into this next section, I just want you to hear, I just want it to be heard clearly that whenever we worship God, it is not a waste. The worship is not a waste. You pick up with me in verse four. It says, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. And so Judas, Judas has something to say about Mary's worship. All right, he says, Mary, enough with the worship stuff. Why are you wasting this valuable thing, this valuable ointment that is worth a year's salary? Why are you wasting it on Jesus? We need uh, enough with the worship. We actually need action. Right in the, the, the other gospel accounts of this moment, it actually tells us that uh, Judas wasn't alone in this charge. That uh, Some of the other disciples in the room, they were also like, Mary, what are you doing? Don't you see we're in Bethany? Right, imagine we could have used this bottle. We could have got the GoFundMe at least off the ground and then we would have been, right? And they probably expect Jesus to say, yeah, Mary, you're right, right? Like you should, you shouldn't have wasted, you shouldn't have used this on me. I mean, come on, take, take a look at your surroundings. We're in Bethany. But Jesus doesn't say that, right? Mary's worship is in the right place. No matter how, how much they're experiencing the brokenness there, what Mary has realized is that the kingdom of God is broken through in Jesus. And so her worship is properly placed, right? If, if this God can raise her brother from the dead, what's poverty, right? Like he can absolutely, he's absolutely the hope that we need in Bethany and everywhere else. But the reality is, Right? It was like when sometimes when we see people worshiping passionately, we could be skeptical. Right? We can say, why are you wasting your time? Why are you wasting your energy? Why are you wasting your effort? What are you trying to prove? Right? We could be very Judas-like in our approach to people who are worshiping passionately. And if I'm telling the truth, recently, I was one of those people. And so situation was, uh, there was an all redemption leaders collective, right? And uh, during that collective, we had a, a time of praise and worship. And during that time, I'm like two rows up. I look like two rows behind me in the corner of my eye. I see somebody just like laid out, right? A couple just laid out, worshiping, singing, right? And if I'm being honest, when people are like overly passionate about something, I'm, the, I'm like the buzzkill. I'm like, come on, like, you don't need to go that far, right? Like, it's not even Sunday. You don't, you don't need to be on the floor, like, <laughs> easy, right? You don't need to waste the effort or energy right now. Thing is, though, with that couple, it probably wasn't the first time. I wasn't the first person to criticize them for their worship. Let me tell you about that couple. So the, the wife, her name um, is Maya Moore. Right, and if you know Maya's story, Maya gave up. She's one of the greatest college basketball players probably of all time, right, in, in, in women's basketball. Right, and she was on her way to a successful, amazing WNBA career. Right, but she gave that up. She, she gave it all up to pursue justice for that guy who was there. Right, his name was Jonathan Irons. 
Right? And Maya encountered Jonathan and heard his story. She said, oh, I think God is actually calling me to pursue justice for him. This guy who was in prison under a sentence of 50 years for a crime he didn't commit. Right? And Maya gave up all, her, her, all the perks, all the notoriety, all the fame, whatever is associated with being a top sports athlete. Right? She gave that up to pursue justice for him because she looked at her God. She's a believer. So she looked at the God of justice and she, she experienced how she received justice through the cross and she said, I must do the same. What do you think like, her agent had to say about that move? Right? Her agent was probably like, Maya, what are you doing? You've spent years and years preparing for this moment. Why are you giving up your career for this guy? Right, his case is already settled. Go live the good life. No. I've loved just reading about her response, right? And when she, when she's at, when whenever she's asked, why did you do that? What was your purpose? She says, my purpose is not to be the greatest basketball player. It's not to win six rings like MJ. It is to know Jesus and to make him known. What a beautiful act of worship. And so while I was there hating, right? While I was there criticizing, right? while I was there judging them, they were being fully captivated by this God who literally broke the chains, who literally provided freedom. Right? And they weren't holding back an ounce of their worship. Right? Just like Mary, when she poured out that ointment on the feet of Jesus, she wasn't like, I'm going to hold a little bit about the back because this is, this is a very valuable thing. No, she broke the jar and she poured it all out on Jesus in worship of him. I just think today we may be scared to express the fullness of our worship because sometimes we're too worried about what the Judas-like people in the room have to say. Right? We're worried about their, their, them asking, why are you wasting your time? Why are you wasting your effort? What are you wasting your energy for? What are you trying to prove? Right? We can be afraid to actually worship God Right, the ways that he's transformed our life and just to freely worship. And I just want to tell you, if you're feeling that today, that there is freedom in this house. Right, there is freedom to worship ex- expressively. Right, if God has moved in your, in your life in a powerful way, don't be afraid to worship him fully. Right, and what we're not talking about here is performance. When Mary wasn't breaking the, art, breaking the jar and doing performance art, right? What Mary did, she just experienced the goodness of God. And she says, I can't hold back this worship even if I wanted to. Right? And that's how, for many of us in our stories, that's the same way we feel. So if you're feeling that, don't be afraid to worship. Your energy, your time, your devotion is never a waste. It's interesting, right? Because John, he gives us some commentary on Judas, right? As Judas, he didn't actually care about the poor, right? He wasn't actually worried about the poor. Judas had a low view of everybody in the room. He had a low view of Mary. He had a low view of Jesus. He had a low view of everything except that ointment. He had a very high, high view of that ointment. He was like, I had plans for that, right? He, he probably wanted to go to like StockX and buy him some new sandals or something, right, with that ointment. 
He had plans for that ointment, right? And so, you know, he, 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 he doesn't actually, he didn't actually care about the poor, right? And, and, and he has this view of the poor of like, we just need to get them things. And I just, as a side note, you know, I, I, I think sometimes from in more affluent sort of cultures, we can have this view of the poor. We can have this view of the poor of like, hey, we just need to get them as much as they need, then they'll be happy. The, the hierarchy of needs, all that stuff, they'll, they'll be happy. I just want to say from my experience in those churches, the thing that I've been moved by, the thing that has always struck me is just how much those communities value their worship. Right? And the, maybe it's because they, they have this great sense of actually physical need that it just helps them with their reliance on God. Right? They live moment by moment, just hoping that his spirit moves in, in every way. And they experienced it. You know, one thing that was just, I was always impressed by in, that, in those communities is just as we worshiped God extravagantly, right? And he just proved himself faithful time and time again. It would often just lead us to like extravagant generosity, right? We would just be moved to, to asking our brothers and sisters, hey, what do you need? What can I give of what I have to you? Right? They worshiped God, this God who they knew was faithful. And as the song goes, he's, he, he would always do it again, right? Just prove himself faithful time and time again, right? And a lot of their generosity, a lot of what they, the love and, and, and sacrifice that was shown in those communities is because folks were just so impacted by the cross, by the cross and what it means and what it, what, what it, how it transforms every aspect of their life. Even as we read on today, we hear more about Mary. Right? Not only is she just worshiping Jesus and, anoint, uh, and, and pouring the oil on his feet, but as he's heading to the cross, right, she's honoring the cross as she anoints him as king. Right? She's honoring the path that Jesus is about to embark on. Mary's act of worship honors the cross. Let's read in uh, verse 7. So Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. And so I know these verses, it's on like the surface. They could be a bit confusing, right? It's like, Jesus, what, what are you actually, what are you saying here, right? And I, I hope that as we dive in, we can come to an understanding of what he's saying. And Jesus, he, uh, what he's actually saying, he like provides some insight into Mary's heart. Right? Mary's action is it's not an act of thoughtlessness, right? Mary sees God for who he is, right? And she worships him. And as she does this, she just begins this, this process, this path, this journey, anointing him of king, as king as he's heading to the cross. Right? She, she's like honoring the extravagance of the act that Jesus is about to do. Right? She wasn't holding, she, she, and she was using that ointment for its intended purpose. She wasn't holding the ointment to like cash out at like Casino Jerusalem one day. The ointment was meant to anoint her king. Right? And so I, while everyone is saying, oh, you could have used it for this, you could have used it for that, Jesus is saying, no, 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 this was meant for me. And then in verse eight, Jesus kind of flips the script on them. He's like, oh, you care about the poor? Hmm, let's talk about that. 
And so what I want to clear up first, first off is that when Jesus says, the poor you'll always have with you, you do not always have me. What he's not saying is like, you don't have to care about the poor. Maybe that's news to you guys. I heard it like that growing up sometimes and that was wildly incorrect. All right, that's not what Jesus is saying. There are actually over 300 references in the Bible that talk about how we are supposed to care the least of these. But what Jesus is quoting, where he's quoting from is Deuteronomy 11 and I encourage you to go read that in your own time. But when you read Deuteronomy 11, what you'll see is that the people of God, they were supposed to be generous and gracious as they were imaging their God who was generous and gracious to them. And so there shouldn't even have been any poverty amongst the people. Right? If they had additional resources, they were supposed to give it to help the sake of their brother, sister. Right? And what... what, what what was supposed to be happening, see, they weren't just supposed to be selling bottles of ointment to give to the poor. They were supposed to be constructing their entire society to enact this care that God mandated. And so Jesus is like, you're talking about the poor. You haven't cared for the poor. I mean, look where we're at. There's a whole poor village. This isn't the only one either. Right? And so you'll have the opportunity to care for the the poor will be here. You'll have the opportunity to care for them. You'll continue to have the opportunity to care for them. But the thing is, they're all missing the point. Right? They're all focused on the poor and the ointment and this and that. And as we've seen throughout the gospel, they aren't responding to Jesus and seeing who he is, seeing the treasure of who he is. Right? Everyone that Jesus has encountered in the gospels, it's been like, hey, what can I get from you? Or what are you going to take away from me? Right? And Mary doesn't have that posture. She says, I'm not trying to get anything from you. I'm not, fair of, I'm not scared of losing anything for myself. All I want to do is worship you. All I want to do is give you the best of what I have. Right? All I want to do is to lay it all down before you, my Lord and my Savior. Right? Mary rightfully sees Jesus for who he is. And while everyone else in the room is like, oh, Mary, your act is extravagant, right? The only reason they think her act is extravagant is because they don't recognize who Jesus is, right? Because the, the, the reality of what we deem extravagant is really just determined by the value of the thing that we, we, we of our object of our affection, the thing that we value. Right? I've yet to hear anyone say the Marvel movies, which have an average budget of like $200 million, I've yet to hear anyone say, oh, that's an, that's an extravagant use of money. You guys could have cut that. We could have maybe done without Endgame and given, you could have given that 100 million of that to the poor. Right? We don't say that because we value the output. We value the entertainment that those movies provide. And so when a new series comes out, like the low-key one that's coming out, we're like, Get, take my money here. Oh, here's everything here. I'll sign up to Disney Plus and Disney Plus Plus and whatever it is. Right? Because we value it. And I'm not hating on the Marvel movies. I'm all about the Marvel movies. Wakanda forever, Black Panther, all that good stuff. <laughs> but it's just the reality, right, of, of, of our, what we deem as extravagant is, the, the, is by the value of the thing, the object, right? You know, author Makoto Fukumari puts it like this. The problem is not that we do not have an extravagant visual culture. The problem is that we do not believe in an extravagant God. To the degree that we, like Mary, experience the extravagant grace of God, to that degree, we will respond extravagantly back to God. 
If you know anything about Mary's story, Jesus pulled Mary from the, the margins of society to the point of death, right, where she was just, just far removed. She, she had emptiness. She, she needed a savior. Right? And Jesus pulled her back from that point, from the margins, from the, the, the worst possible things in her life. And she experienced his extravagant grace, his extravagant love, his extravagant mercy. And I know for some of us who have experienced that in our stories, we just want to extravagantly worship God. For the beautiful things, for the, 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 the ways that he has worked against all odds in our life to transform it right, and bring beauty where everyone else saw just brokenness. He is a God worthy of extravagant worship. Mary's worship honors the, the cross. She rightly sees him for what he is and anoints his journey as he, as he embarks on the journey to the cross. And so my last question for you today is how can you, how can we, as church, as God's people, how can we honor the cross today? And what areas of your life can you be that jar that is poured out Right, and fills your classroom or fills your, your, your office or fills the gym or fills your dining room, fills, fills whatever the sphere of influence that God has placed you in with the aroma of Christ, the aroma of life that our world is so longing for, the words of freedom as people are striving day and day and only coming up emptier right, and longing and looking for more. How could we be that aroma of Christ in our city? And the truth is, is that as we pour ourselves out, right, we pour ourselves out for a God who poured everything of himself out for us. Right, he poured out his breath. He poured out his blood. He poured out the privileges of heaven, uh, that he had in, in heaven, the comforts of heaven. He poured it all out on our behalf. His body became the alabaster jar that was broken and poured on us so that we could experience life abundantly in him, that we could experience the eternal security of relationship with him and the Father, that we could experience the, the freedom that only he can provide of knowing the truth and that truth setting us free. Right? He, his body was broken on our behalf, so that we can truly live. This is the God who's worth it. This is the God who, when we worship, is never a waste. And this is the God that every day, in every area of our life, we remember the cross and live accordingly. Church, we are a people of devotion. Let's be a people of devotion to Jesus. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we look at Mary. We look at Mary who saw you, God, who saw the treasure of who you are, the beauty of who you are, God, and worshiped you with every last bit of, 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 of life that she had, God. 
God, move our hearts, Lord, where our hearts maybe have grown, gone, gone cold or grown cold, Lord, where we're apathetic, God, maybe in areas of our life, Lord. Light the flame within us, God, and fan it into full flame, God. Spark it within us, Jesus. Move us, God, to see you, to worship you with all that we have, with all the gifts, with everything that you have bestowed and given to us, God. Remembering, God, the cross, remembering what you did for us, Lord, and how it drastically changes everything, Lord. God, lead us now as we enter into this time of worship. Move our hearts, God, as we go into communion, as we literally, God, go into a time where we remember you, remember the sacrifice, God. God, just spur our hearts in love and a devotion, affection, and adoration of you, Jesus. In your name, amen. All right, now we'll go into a time of communion and pull out the elements. And as we take the, the bread wafer, this symbolizes God's body, God's body on the cross that was freely given for our sake. of the juice we remember God's blood blood of Jesus freely shed on our behalf the blood that from day to day it never loses its power you may drink now as we enter into a time of worship church let's worship God freely in spirit and in truth amen